Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Blaine, thank you for leading the choir and worship in Ray's Dead. Thank you for continuing to be tall. So... I still have to be the short one here, but is what it is. And by the way, I've loved hearing the stories of what you all did with your Lost Coin Challenge. I encourage you, if you haven't done that yet, go out there, still do your Lost Coin Challenge. I'd love to hear the stories if you're comfortable sharing them so that other people can get some ideas on how we can love our neighbors as well. I am Michelle Morris, the lead pastor here, and I do welcome you to worship today as well. We are in this series where we are learning about loving our neighbor, and today we are going to reflect on what it takes to love our disagreeable neighbor. (laughs) And with that in mind, we're going to hear this very weird passage from the Gospel of Luke. So prepare yourselves. Here we go from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Jesus was telling them a parable about their need to pray continuously and not to be discouraged. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him asking, give me justice in this case against my adversary. For a while, he refused, but finally said to himself, I don't fear God or respect people, but I will give this widow justice because she keeps bothering me. Otherwise, mm -hmm, otherwise there will be no end to her coming here and embarrassing me. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Won't God provide justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he be slow to help them? I tell you, he will give them justice quickly. But when the human one comes, will he find faithfulness on earth? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So, this is an odd story. And, and it begs the question, what is this passage even trying to tell us? And Wednesday night when we discussed this passage in Bible study, we, we had some lively discussion, some debate, and some disagreement about it. There was certainly a lot of discomfort with this story. Because if this story is trying to tell us about a story of persevering in faith and prayer through difficult times, why use this story to tell it? And that begs the question that I think we need to back up and ask, which is why does Jesus teach using parables in the first place? Well, if you look at Matthew chapter 13, it gives us a reason for why. In fact, it gives us two reasons for why Jesus teaches in parables. The first reason that we are given is so that people can finally understand the prophecy about the reign of God. So yay, Jesus is teaching in parables so people will understand. And in that same chapter, it says Jesus teaches in parables so that the people will not understand what he's saying. We don't even have to go to a different chapter. In this same chapter, we're told, so they won't understand and they will understand. I think that's, though, that captures the trick about stories, right? Because when you tell a story, what you do is you invite someone to come into that story. And you can't really control where they come in on that story. A lot of times where people will enter a story has to do with 
what relates to their life the most? What, where do they go, oh, I've been in a situation like that. Here's what I would have done. Or even sometimes to go, well, that's very strange. That's nothing like my experience. I wonder what that must be like. But stories invite us in, especially when there are gaps in the story. And this story is full of gaps. We have no idea what is going on between the widow and her adversary to cause her to want to seek justice. We don't know how long this has gone on. We don't know why the judge wouldn't give her justice. There's all of these things that we're not told. So we have to kind of be invited into that space and fill in some of those gaps. The other thing about parables is that they have both a metaphorical and a literal meaning. That's part of that double. Sometimes you will understand, sometimes you will not. And to give you an example, think about the parable of the workers in the vineyard where workers get hired at different points in the day and then everyone gets the same wage. The metaphorical meaning of that is no matter how late you come to faith in God, you will receive the same reward as those that were there from the beginning. But it also raises questions for us about the treatment of day laborers and what constitutes a fair wage. So that's that balance between the metaphorical and the literal. So what about this story? Well, I kind of hinted that a a good metaphorical understanding of this story is faithfulness and prayer despite obstacles that are before you. That is a good way of understanding this story. But when we look literally at the story, I think what it does is invites us to ask some significant questions. Why is everything in this situation so broken? And who are we supposed to emulate here? It seems like for sure we're not supposed to emulate the judge, right? The judge, we are told, doesn't fear God and doesn't fear people. And the translation that I just read for you said that he most feared that he would be embarrassed. He feared the threat to his reputation. That doesn't seem like something we should emulate. We don't know enough about the adversary to know if we should emulate the adversary, but he's called an adversary and is up against a widow, which that should signal for you because there's preferential treatment of widows and orphans and strangers in the Bible, that he's probably not someone to be emulated either. So it must be the widow, right? That's who we're supposed to emulate. And the parable does seem to imply, at least in the first, that she is a model of faithfulness. And as I mentioned, the Bible does call for preferential treatment of the widow and the orphan and the stranger. And the reason the Bible calls for that preferential treatment is because those people tend to be the most vulnerable people in society. Except as people heard this story, they would recognize that that's not always the case, that their life experience tells them that some widows are enormously powerful. Widows could inherit money. Widows could own businesses. Widows could have enormous sway in society and government. They could be very powerful people. And if you want an example, look to the women who funded Jesus's ministry, who were widows. So even within early Christianity, we had very powerful widows at work there. And then, y'all have heard me say, you got to watch your translators, right? Because sometimes when they're translating, I think they take an easy way out because they read what the words say and think, Jesus surely didn't mean that. 
So we'll translate it this way. And we definitely have that going on in this passage because the widow does not actually ask for justice. The widow asks for vengeance. She wants revenge against her adversary. And the judge doesn't actually fear being embarrassed. What he says is, I will give her what she wants because I'm afraid she will beat me up. (laughs) Yeah. Y'all, I don't like to use this phrase because I think it mischaracterizes people for something that they can't control, notably their name. But what if this widow is a Karen? Right. What if she's just used to having her way and has a lot of power and is demanding it regardless of justice? And maybe when we are told that the judge does not fear God or respect people, what it means is that he is committed to justice and that justice has to hold no matter what the situation. And he's trying to hold to justice, but this woman keeps coming and asking for vengeance and... You know, she wants vengeance and she's threatening him with physical violence. You can understand why he might cave. And take note that the judge is not called unjust until he gives her what she wants. It's after that that he becomes the unjust judge. And then we are actually told to listen to the unjust judge. What is missing in this story, besides a lot of detail? Empathy. I was reading an article that said empathy is cultivated through interactions with people we don't know well, those glimpses into other interior worlds. And the article argued that we, because we are in a society now in which we don't have that many interactions with strangers anymore, because I don't even have to go to Walmart anymore, Walmart can deliver to me and I will never see that delivery driver, right? You know, when I first moved here, No one knew I was a pastor, and I went to Walmart, and 11 people talked to me. That was amazing. But if we don't even ever put ourselves in those places, we can't even have those interactions with strangers that invites us to hear a different story. And because we are staying too isolated, when society gets too isolated, we lose the capacity to empathize. And what we have in this story, very few details, but enough to think that there are some people here that may be isolated. A widow may be without family and lack that home community. And a judge who doesn't fear God or respect others may have chosen justice over community may have chosen his morality or his ideals that has then consequently isolated him from others. And when we isolate too much, then we don't have the possibility to see each other's perspectives. What if this story had been about a judge saying, whoa, what happened to make you so mad that you want to hurt people? Who hurt you? And maybe because of justice, I can't fix it in this space right now, but maybe you and I can work together to make a better place where that kind of hurt doesn't happen anymore. But instead, we just get a, oh, I just did whatever I had to get her away from me. The compelling lesson in this story for us may be a lesson of empathy. This literal parable plays out all the time in our lives these days. 
Just this week, not only did I hear great stories about people helping their neighbors, but I also heard stories like someone quitting a job because the boss said something that they didn't like. They didn't go to the boss and say, hey, you said something that really kind of offended me. Can we talk about it? No, just walked out instead. And I've heard stories of students refusing to follow instructions from their teachers because they don't believe in authority anymore. I've heard that uh, in a church situation, one of my friends had a church situation in which a parishioner started with a lawsuit. I'm suing you instead of, let's have a conversation. Can I come meet with you in your office? And we all know or, or have family that are no longer speaking to each other because of political divides. We see social media tantrums all the time in which people start yelling and end with lawsuits or police. And maybe it's because we just don't know how to talk to people anymore. We don't practice it enough. We don't spend time just listening to each other's stories and being invited into their point of view. We have this automated world that keeps us away from each other. During the pandemic, when I was serving in Conway, I was desperately lonely, y'all. And so there was a restaurant just up the street from my apartment, and I thought, they have a bar. I'm going to go sit at the bar because people talk at the bar. (laughs) I went for weeks, and no one ever did. The only person I interacted with was the bartender to take my order. Everyone else kept their head in their phones. And I was the creepy person at the bar staring at them. (laughs) But I just wanted somebody to say something. So we've got to practice talking to strangers again. (laughs) Yes, your pastor is saying, talk to strangers. (laughs) If you are a child, talk to strangers your age or while you're with a trusted adult, please. But we've got to get better at at doing that, at just having those human interactions with one another. And we also need to recognize that part of what church does is provides a space where we can all come together and hear each other's stories. And as the church, we should be making more of those spaces. I want to lift up a couple of them. We have every Friday, Friends and Fuel at Meteor Cafe at 7 o'clock. Anyone can show up, have coffee, have conversation. You don't know who's going to be there. You'll get to hear some new stories, get to know some new people. That was what was fun about Top Golf. I always loved to see who would show up and I'd get to introduce to each other. Right? Just come practice talking with each other and sharing life together. And then this coming Sunday, not today, but this um, coming Sunday uh, at six o'clock and then also on the 5th of November, we're going to have dinner and a movie discussion about the movie Killers of the Flower Moon. You're to go see the movie by yourself. And talk to some strangers while you're there. Not to an annoying level in the movie, right? But, but you know, while you're getting your popcorn or whatever. But then we're going to put a big pot of chili out. And we have Stephen, who has just recently become part of our congregation, who also has ties to the Osage community, is going to share his perspective and give us a little background and invite conversation so that we can hear another story and be open to that story. And that's what we're supposed to do. What is at stake? It's the end of the parable. Will Christ find any faithful people when Christ returns? Because I think it's less about whether we've prayed enough and persevered, but whether we've actually practiced our faith, which is to love God 
and love neighbor, not put up with neighbor, and certainly not threaten a neighbor with violence, but love neighbor. When Christ comes back, will he find any faithful among us who have loved their neighbor? And we know that those stakes are high in this world too. When we were in Israel, our God Joseph said, the regular Israeli and Palestinian people just want to get along. We just want to live alongside one another. But governments who start from a perspective of yelling at each other and throwing bombs at each other have made another choice. The stakes are high. When I was in Pittsburgh a few years ago, the Heinz Museum, which I highly recommend, you'll learn more about ketchup than you ever wanted to know. But they have Mr. Rogers' set there. We heard some Mr. Rogers' music last week. They have his set because it was filmed in Pittsburgh. And Daniel Tiger's there and King Friday and the trolley and all of that. And they have a little TV up in the, in the back of the set like they did on the actual set. And they have the, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Playing over and over. And behind that exhibit is an exhibit called The Neighborhoods of Pittsburgh. And so I walk through there, and you can hear, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, playing the whole time you're going through an exhibit. And they have, you know, artifacts and representations of all the different cultures that are present in Pittsburgh. And I was looking at them and learning all this stuff about the different cultures. But it was almost at the end of that exhibit that I noticed they had the Germans next to the Jews. And then I froze. And then I took off running and I went back to the beginning of the exhibit and I noticed they put the English next to the Irish. And they put the white people next to the African Americans. If there was any group that had been in conflict with one another, they put them next door to each other. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.